0: That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2963, The Want-To-Versus-Have-To Ratio, Part 1, by Len Massicotte of FreeToPursue.com, and I'm Justin Mollick. Welcome to one of the only podcasts in the world where articles are narrated to you for free with permission from the authors, and it's an award-winning podcast, thanks to you. Today's a longer post, so I'll read the first half, but then finish the rest for you tomorrow. So with that, let's get right to part one and start optimizing your life. The want to versus have to ratio, part one, by Alain Mazicotte of freetopursue.com. Ever heard that if you want someone to do something, you give it to the busy person? It's a saying I've heard over and over in both business school and business dealings, and it's true. I used to live by that saying, both as a doer and as a delegator, because I knew it was effective, at least in the immediate. Assigning yet more responsibility or work to a busy person is essentially piling on the work on one of five types of people. Those who, number one, don't know how to say no, number two, don't know or even want to believe he or she has a choice, number three, worry about what saying no will do to the relationship with who's asking. Number four, think getting things done, big or small, earns them a good reputation. Or number five, believe a busy life is a happy life. Want to versus have to. No matter which type of person the request ultimately goes to, it's detrimental to both parties, either in the short term or in the long term, Because our level of happiness is based on our perception of want to activities versus have to activities. Feeling we're living authentically and with autonomy over our actions is hugely motivating, whether it be in our personal or business lives. At home and with friends, we feel we're in a collaborative and open environment. We want to help each other, support each other, and spend time together because it feels good, not because we feel obligated to. When this feeling erodes, we start avoiding, begrudgingly going through the motions, growing resentful, spreading negative gossip, looking for everything that's wrong as opposed to what's right, and eventually move on as we feel the relationships are out of balance. At work, we feel we get to work on what we're passionate about as opposed to having to work on something that only matters to someone else. We feel aligned with what the organization is trying to accomplish. We need no prompting because we're running on our own fuel. Autonomy fuels effectiveness, creativity, passion, curiosity, and problem-solving. All of these are important characteristics of successful and productive people. Now, conversely, a sense of obligation and constraint leads to drone-like compliance, resistance, retaliation, small and large, and eventually lower productivity that often leads to greater reliance on punishment and reward systems. More on the five types of yesers. Let's take a closer look at each of the different types of individuals introduced before and see how this plays out in their potential for success in maximizing happiness, the ultimate life currency. Number one, don't know how to say no. This person doesn't know how to say no. She or he says yes, but lives no in her thoughts or subversive actions, and yet still delivers for now. She smiles on the outside while her stomach is in knots. She asks follow-up questions as she thinks of the other things she's been setting aside to do what's requested. Hers is an existence of constant stress because the fear of what will be requested next is a constant distraction. Number two, don't know or even want to believe he or she has a choice. Resolute in the understanding that you do what you're asked, this individual lives his life based on what others want him to do. Self-determination is replaced by requests, suggestions, demands, and edicts. The only redeeming value in this person's position is the lack of inner conflict that person number one experiences. From his perspective, it's just the way life is passionless, predetermined, and void of the responsibility for setting one's own direction. He's a member of the walking dead. Such a person is likely to take on debt because that's what's normal or expected, and debt conveniently results in other parties telling us how we spend our money every month, one bill at a time. Such a person is also likely to follow his family's and society's suggested life steps, study what his family says is a good career path, marry a quote-unquote suitable match, and raise the quote-unquote right type of family, maybe even live in the right type of community. Structure is also important to this individual because his tolerance for uncertainty and personal responsibility is very low. Number three, worry about what saying no will do to the relationship with who's asking. This person is always worried about rocking the boat with everyone, friends, family, colleagues. Her fear of conflict builds a prison of obligation around her. She doesn't blame others for asking, but she blames herself for always thinking that saying no will be detrimental to a relationship she values. And because of this fact, she prefers to say yes rather than risk finding out the cost of rejecting a request. What's the harm in just doing what's asked anyway, right? As a result, those who care the most won't ask because they know her too well and care too much. Those who don't know they can get away with it, no questions asked. That means that she has less opportunity to help out those who care most about her because those who don't hog her time. Trying to be helpful, to be liked, and in someone's good books, ultimately costs her the potential for stronger ties established with reciprocity and gratitude to those who value her most as a person. Number four, hear that on tomorrow's episode. You just listen to part one of the post titled The Want-To-Versus-Have-To Ratio by Alain Massicotte of freetopursue.com. Thank you to Alain. We'll finish the rest tomorrow and hear a possible solution to all of this. In the beginning, she was talking about autonomy, which I think is huge, even if we don't like working for ourselves per se. I think that sense of agency really does bring about a more general long-term happiness compared to those who don't feel it. And again, you don't have to be running your own business to have that sense of agency or autonomy. Just having that feeling of control of our actions, choices, and then ultimately our future completely changes how we feel about our lives. And on the other hand, not having it can make us feel like we're just passengers of our lives, drifting by one day at a time with no end in sight. So I do think it's really important. and It'll be interesting to hear what Ellen suggests as possible solutions to these scenarios which, by the way, I'm sure I've been in myself. But I'll stop there for now. Thank you for being here and listening every day, and I'll be back tomorrow to finish up this post where your optimal life awaits.